Hello there, everybody. Welcome back to Star Wars Lads. This is a breaking news episode, our fourth episode of our news series. And we've got a doozy for you all today. Uh, some news stories that kind of been rumored for a while. So it's not a huge shock to many of you who've been following Star Wars news, but it is now official as of today. We are looking forward to the next Star Wars film, which will be The Mandalorian and Grogu possibly replacing season four of the Mandalorian rumor is though, that there still might be a season four. We're going to talk about both of those things. And then quietly at the bottom of this article that star Wars.com put out about the Mandalorian Grogu. We also have the announcement that for sure, Ahsoka season two has been greenlit and it is Dave Filoni's next project. We're going to talk about all three of those major news stories before we get started. Make sure you're liking the video helps us out tremendously with the algorithm. Subscribe to the channel for more star Wars content like this. As you've seen, if you've been following our channel for the last uh, couple months, we're trying to dive more back into news. It's a thing we started with heavily when we were beginning our YouTube slash podcast journey here on Star Wars Lads. And 2024, we want to very much so cover all the major news stories. So make sure you stick around if you're interested in Star Wars news, any updates on filming or any other Star Wars projects that are going on. Stick around with Star Wars Lads for all that. So make sure you do subscribe if you're new. Comment below if you're watching on replay. But if you're watching live, send in all your chats, your questions, your comments, your concerns. We will take them all after each news story. So uh, we will give our opinions first here on all these things. And then we will get to your chat immediately after. This will be about a 45-minute stream here. We have a hard cap around five. So we'll try to get to everything as fast as possible. If you want to make sure you get one of your comments in, you're welcome to send in a super chat. It helps the channel amazingly, uh, but no pressure. That is completely up to you for your donation. All right, let's get into the first news story. And it is, I mean, it's all one big news story, but the first thing is the official confirmation that the title of the Mandalorian film is called The Mandalorian and Grogu. Uh, I think that's a pretty fitting title. <laughs> it's using the two things that sell the show in the title. So smart move by them. Get the announcement that it is going into production in 2024, directed by John Favreau, written by John Favreau, being produced by the team that's been producing The Mandalorian of Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau. So uh, nothing really new here in terms of the production around this film, but it is nice to get that first official confirmation that it is coming. Sonic, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, the possibility of this being a film. Now that it's here... Now that we know it will most likely be coming out next year in 2025, what are your thoughts on The Mandalorian and Grogu? Well, I think it is definitely that something that wasn't intended per se. I think just to Disney's 100th anniversary was just very rough for them. And now they're sort of looking at the situation with, okay, what's, what's big with our franchises and what are the things that we can do to, you know, keep our budgets a little lower as we try to rebound essentially in 2024? Like this, in in some ways, feels like it's got to be like the start of a, like a one or three year process of like getting back to form. Uh, I think a lot of issues that cropped up in COVID for a lot of other, you know, yeah, studios and all that were obviously afflicting Disney, but they thought Disney plus Iger's like crowning achievement for his retirement as CEO would like keep them like very strong and all that. But we've seen the streaming wars explode and the bubble also exploded pretty much last year. So 
this is not a movie I necessarily wanted. Um, I don't think per se they, uh, you know, Lucasfilm was looking at it like, oh yeah, we should also, uh, you know, make this movie, make this thing Mandalorian and Grogu a thing again. But I think there are some positives. I think there are some advantages. I think there are some negatives to it. I just want to put a little bit of shout out to Travis Mitchell for saying greetings and happy new year. Thanks for that super chat. Greetings back to you and happy new year as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an exciting development. Don't get us wrong. 2019 was the last time we saw a Star Wars movie. By the time this comes out, let's say late 2025, early 2026, five to six years, right? That's a healthy gap considering the way Disney really started off with Star Wars with like a movie every year. We're going to have, the Star Wars stories in between and all that. Like there's been a lot of back and forth with their plans. It's it's been pretty obvious, but I'm 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 seeing some advantages here. Cause as someone who's just recently re- rewatched Mando season three outside of like the big hubbub of its return, I found it to still be pretty solid. I think for me it's my it edges out season one for me just because I really love the action. I really love Bo Katan's characterization. Um, there's some really just cool elements of the story that I love. I would say that for sure, though, Grogu was not really well used. It was nice to get backstory. And Pedro Pascal with his career just exploding right now. He essentially just became a voice actor this season. And the Emmy-winning stunt coordinators and team, you know, they ended up making the most impressive version of Din Djarin, even if we never saw, you know, didn't really deal with, like, the reckoning of, like, going back to essentially his cult, you know, essentially going back on the changes that he did went through on his character to be ordered in order to save Grogu in order to get closer to that child once more. And those are the elements that drag down the season for me. I also would say that you'd have to look at the pirate, the Goran Shard stuff and the Mandalore stuff, and you got to flip them and you could still build that tension between Bo-Katan and him. You could still have her retrieve the lightsaber after uh, Din is defeated in the mines and then you don't have that weird, awkward episode six where it's like, oh, law and order, but with silly robots mm-hmm. and aliens. And then here's a, but think about it. You had, a, she took the lightsaber after I was defeated. Aha moment, right? That that never really sits well for me, even watching it now. But some changes here and there, I think the season would have been a lot better and would have brought characterization for these characters that for the leads aren't really there. You know, Bo-Katan, it is her season in a lot of ways. Um, right. It is a lot more about Rangers and New Republic elements and all that. So this film finally has that chance of being like, okay, let's actually like spend some time with just them, right? Like the promise of the end of the season was, okay, yeah. we've closed this first chapter. What comes next? Right. Hunting down Imperials. Hey, let's think about that. Can we now have this apprentice, this Din Grogu, with his father Din Djarin, can they hunt down these Imperials for Carson Teva under, you know, under the... Uh, uh, New Republic gray areas of lawmaking in the Outer Rim. What does that mean? Can they start looking more into the Shadow Council? Can Din now become more and more involved in this grander storyline that Ahsoka's really been working on? Can Grogu grow? Can Din deal with a little bit more of the ramifications now that he doesn't have the Darksaber? What sort of Mandalorian is he now that he's helped Mandalore come about? There's a lot of great possibilities. I think this will be very character-focused. Ian Fu will still get some insane action. It'll mm-hmm. open up the threads of like, hey, guys, there's like a whole remnant just like in Legends that is growing. That's been now in some ways directly shaped by Thrawn now that he's back in the galaxy. Yeah, there's just a lot of elements here that I'm very confident that 
the movie can really hit on without being too massive of like a you know budget creep for lucasfilm yeah my worry though is that does that take away a little bit from that new republic film that's supposed to be the capper of this whole era do we get this supposed season four that deadline is still reporting as like it's still in the works and it was that just what the season five was supposed to be does that mean that mandalorian is not really being reconfigured for Bo-Katan and Boba Fett or someone else to lead it. I'm not yeah. really sure, but Mando as it is now feels like it is the movie. Whatever comes next is kind of based on its success. I don't think it changes anything to do with the new film. I think this is in a way a reaction decision based on last year's frankly, you know, box office failures for Disney as well as a decline in recept critical reception to the mandalorian season three but in a lot of ways i do think it is tied to the views for ahsoka uh, i i think right now not just disney but lucasfilm needs films to hit they need all their movies to at least make money that is a notch on their resume as, a, as opposed to marvel right now where marvel has been struggling outside of the most beloved of their properties to get anything to make money Right. Lucasfilm, all the Star Wars films, with the exception of Solo, which about broke even, made massive profit. So right now, you don't want to throw Star Wars into a scenario where we start out with maybe a more controversial film like New Jedi Order, completely reworking a beloved book series uh, with a character like Rey, who has gotten such hate online, trying to redeem that character, trying to redeem the sequels, trying to redeem something that Disney has a lot invested in. Maybe it's not the best idea to start out with that. Maybe the best reintroduction to the movies, to the movie theater for Star Wars fans is something that, for the most part, fans have fallen in love with during and post-pandemic. And I think it's a great idea. I mean, The Mandalorian is literally, it's an episodic show. It's made for film. Yeah. Uh, John Favreau, I honestly think, uh, <laughs> is a much better writer when he is writing film because that's what he's used to. And a lot of the best episodes of The Mandalorian feel like long movies. A lot of the worst ones are some of the ones that feel like they're caught in between being a long episode of a TV show or a, <laughs> a short episode or a long episode of a, oh, yeah. <laughs> a short episode of a TV show or a, a half of a movie kind of thing. You know, it's not like a lot of the pacing problems I think they have with The Mandalorian across, especially season one and two, two would be resolved if you were able to do a three act structure in a film. And so I think for all of John Favreau's strengths, movies play towards them. And I think in, in a way, uh, the main storyline that we had set up from season one to season three of the Mandalorian is over. We were looking at a new direction for these characters. It's the perfect time to start in the direction of film. And if there is going to be a television series that can be elevated into film, I think all of these studios, not just Disney, but every single movie studio right now has learned that, yeah, streaming is a great thing. It's a great supplementary piece to our finance, finances, but it cannot replace box office. Box office and movie going is going to be always the most profitable way of making film. And if we keep making film with the hopes of competing with 35 streaming services, <laughs> they're not going to be <laughs> they're not going to be as successful or we're not going to be able to gauge their success so if you're going to try to get audiences back in theaters for star wars you might as well go with something that frankly out of all the stuff you've announced is the most well-known to audiences 
It is the most popular amongst audiences. And it is something that when you're setting up the New Republic film is going to be a nice gateway for a lot of people who may have only watched season one or two of The Mandalorian or people who have just heard about The Mandalorian and Grogu. Maybe they've gone to Disneyland and seen them. Maybe they've just seen the millions of products that Grogu's on. This is just like Mandalorian season one was. This is the re-entry point for Lucasfilm into a, a specific style of storytelling that they've been out of for a while. And I think it's going to benefit them so much more in the long run to have this ground point for Mando and Grogu. The main villain or one of the main villains could be Thrawn. Introduce Thrawn, introduce the Imperial Remnant, introduce all of these things that get people ready for the Ahsoka slash New Republic film. So then therefore they maybe go back and watch Ahsoka season one and watch season two. If we do, if this is a massive success and they're like, screw Ahsoka season three, we're making Ahsoka season three a movie now and then push the Filoni capper to this thing into 2030. I think we could see that happen. If, if this is all about box office returns for this. And if this is a massive hit, then there's no way that they let that story go very fast. And it could be for the better, could be for the worse. I think there's a lot here to tell. I would love an epic multi-year war between the Imperial Remnant and Thrawn and the New Republic. Get so many characters involved. Get all of this well fleshed out. I don't want it to be like a First Order thing where it's just a blip. It's like a nine month to a year conflict yeah. and then it's over. Like, let's give Thrawn a two, three year conflict. Even though that's not how it happened in the books, I think it would be a worthwhile thing to do. And I think this will only help Ahsoka season two and uh, the film. And and then, you know, to talk about giving that time as well. I was pretty nervous after season one of Ahsoka, which I also did really like. Uh, the ending wasn't incredibly strong and there's so many cliffhangers. And then also with the passing of Ray Stevenson, there's so many things up in the air with Ahsoka that I was really nervous about that being one of our first films coming if we got no season two or if we got no more Mandalorian before. So it's nice to know that whatever Mandalorian and Grogu are doing, it's most likely going to have to tie in to the Imperials and Thrawn and whatever's going on in the major conflict of the New Republic. Uh, but let's talk about that Ahsoka season two announcement because it is pretty exciting, I think, for a lot of us who enjoyed Ahsoka and even maybe some of those people who didn't love Ahsoka but saw that there was a lot of valuable storytelling there, stuff, seeds planted for the future. And I think giving Ahsoka two, three seasons is the right move. I think if a season two was announced prior to season one coming out, I think the writing might have been a lot stronger too, especially in the, the later episodes of the show because Dave Filoni would have known he doesn't have to cram ideas in, right? There's, uh, there's benefits of trusting your filmmaker and trusting the production and, and giving them ample amount of time to make what they make just like Andor got announced as a two season show. So let's talk about Ahsoka season two. Sonic, what do you think Ahsoka season two tackles? Do you think it's going to be just the escape story from Peridia? Do you think it's, it's a uh, kind of maybe what some of the initial ideas were for the new Republic film brought into Ahsoka, maybe like a Mandalorian season four kind of pushed into film and then, New Republic film pulled back a little and put into TV? Or do you think that it's uh, this was always planned? This was like a story that we've set up. Filoni's always known it was going to be a season two. We just They just didn't announce it until now. 
I would go with the latter. It it doesn't seem to me the smartest move to have already been like, you know, saying like we're gonna have a Mando film now. This is the big announcement of today. And then you add that, oh go, oh, the development on season two is happening without, you know, season two kind of just being business as always. Uh, I yeah. don't really see it being a show that is like, oh, it's gonna go three, four seasons. I think mm-hmm. three at most, I could totally be happy to just be done with two seasons. Yeah. And I mean, I, it, it raises the question, right? Like if, for example, like you're saying, if we bring in like some of those new Republic film original ideas, push it up a little bit for Ahsoka to deal with. So that way the eventual movie is a little bit more of our big hitters, maybe our original characters from the first three Star Wars movies. Then the question arises, okay, are we looking at Mando season four being turned into a movie or is the movie that's coming out supposed to be like we're setting the stage for not just the Mando, Ahsoka, like Disney Plus fan, but the greater fandom. And this is like an inflection point in this era. And this is not just like a, like a season turned into like a cool filler film, but more like a essential, like, okay, this is changing everything that we thought about these early, like few years of the New Republic. Everyone's prepared. Yeah. I think it I think it has to be an inflection point. I think Kathleen Kennedy and Favreau and Filoni have always talked about whenever the movies do come back, they have to be big and important. They just happen to say that in the context of like the new Jedi order film. So this coming in, you know, we're not, we're not entirely sure. Is it just a cool, fun, safe business bet? Or if it, is it that, and it's, you know, a great way of setting up the stage and then letting Ahsoka kind of become just the face of the Disney plus shows where lore Mm -hmm. and continuity and everything being on the same hub is easy for people to get into. And I I think it's, I think it's a little bit more like that. It's, it's just, you're trying to position Ahsoka to be that show now, even if the Mandalorian season four is still in development, like deadline is reporting. It doesn't really seem like it'll be about the Mandalorian that started off this show. So I think Ahsoka, because it doesn't have necessarily as many questions with the moving parts, but more so just where does the story go next? It just makes sense to continue it. And Really, it's only Ray Stevenson's, you know, untimely death that really like leaves any questions for me about Ahsoka season two. I feel like you can still really work on why Sabine has kind of been let off easy by Ahsoka and what you can deal with what's going on with Shin because her characterization maybe before Ray Stevenson's passing was a little bit more directly tied into the finale and maybe had some more extra scenes. So Maybe all that is is that it's moved into the second season. We start a little bit yeah. more focused on the villains. And then from there, we get to deal with Ahsoka and Sabine catching up and dealing with a lot of this Mortis elements that, interestingly enough, was in the Duel of Fate script. But I'm I'm pretty sure a Filoni <laughs> was going to make a much better version of it than a Colin Trevor would. So mm-hmm. I think I think we're just continuing where the story was always going to go. Um I'm sure there's a little bit more feedback and notes like, hey, Filoni, like you don't have to do like 20 things right now. And (laughs) again, I would love for this development on season two to introduce some Clone Wars and Rebels writers because the guy needs a little bit of help if he's going to do this and be producing a film now and then be directing and producing and writing his own film. Like at some point, you just have to be like, he's a fresh face for Star Wars. He's new, he's young, (laughs) he doesn't have that much experience he's done a great job shadowing and every time he's come out with a show or an episode the second version of it that next one is always like yeah he's figured out how to take that next leap but yeah good points 
at some point, do you want him to, you know, keep on being like, oh, the second time will be like swell and perfect, right? Mm-hmm. You can bet on it, but it's, it's you're putting a lot of pressure on this guy more so than even before. So I, I think season two is just going to go the way we expected. It. It's just now being more positioned as the show of Disney Plus for the Star Wars brand. And then, you know, it feels like once that show ends, we'll be able to start really just jumping around different time periods and introduce ourselves to new ideas and let the shows kind of take a little bit of a backseat as, you know, the new Jedi Order film, the Dawn of the Jedi film, which are all mm-hmm. mentioned anyways in the same article, yeah. kind of bring us back into Star Wars as a film franchise for right. five to ten years. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm torn now. I was originally pretty convinced that a season two of Ahsoka wasn't happening until we saw the end of the show. And then it was like, there's no way they can do a satisfying wrap up to these plot points in the first 20 minutes of a movie. Uh, so I was pretty convinced when the show ended at first, I wasn't. And I don't know if in my head, I don't know if yeah. Filoni was convinced he's getting a season <laughs> two when they started production or when he started writing this show, because the first six episodes, there are pacing problems in the first three, but the first six episodes feel pretty tight. The story is there. It's focused. There are less extraneous plot points. And then you get to seven and eight. And then it's like all these extra plot points almost feels like he wrote the first six. And then at once they got to Bridia, he's like, I have all these things I want to do, but I don't know if I'm going to get enough time to do any of them. So let me throw all of them in one season. And uh, you know, I, I think by the end he knew he was getting a second season or it was contingent on like it has to hit this certain mark and unless it's a complete disaster you're going to get a second season but uh you know i still tend to believe even though actors are told not to talk about certain things in public i mean rosario dawson said multiple times for six months that she hasn't heard anything about yeah ahsoka season two so i'm starting to i'm starting to feel like when we started to hear the mandalorian and grogu was going to be a film maybe around the time of when Ahsoka was first starting to come out in August, when they probably started to make that decision to make a Mandalorian film. That's when Ahsoka season two was like, okay, we'll give you season two because we don't want to put all these things in the film. I think it's, it's going to be too challenging for audiences right now. We just need to get audiences back into star Wars. So I do think this is a relatively recent development. It might've been something that was, semi-promised but not confirmed for Filoni but I'm frankly very excited I think that's a great point that you made about the fact that he gets better every single time when he does something of his first well barring his second episode of live action tv but it was the same yeah. and it was the same season so <laughs> yeah we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll give him that um but his jump from season one of the Mandalorian to season two was massive season two's episode with Ahsoka was is still maybe my favorite episode of the Mandalorian. It's such a great episode, huge jump. And then of course, book of Boba Fett was even better than that. So uh, it's just, he continues to improve. And so leading his first live action series, also the first time leading a series that was only eight episodes, all his other series have been, I believe the rebel season one was probably his shortest and that was 16 episodes. So he's used to longer form storytelling. It's the opposite of Favreau where I feel like sometimes Favreau's, writing in the Mandalorian feels stretched, feels like he's kind of coming up with random new ideas in the middle of plots. Uh, Filoni's seems like he had this perfect start and then all of a sudden he's like, crap, I have, I'm used to having 10 more episodes and I only have two. Let me 
cram all these ideas in the last two episodes. So maybe giving him a season two will help out with that. It'll help shrink the load of ideas that he might have had to put into the New Republic film. And if, you know, my theory on basically these kind of being reactionary projects uh, in a in a positive way, not in a negative way, uh, is correct. And we do get a second Mandalorian film, maybe even before Filoni's final film. Uh, I think we could see him really get a chance to develop every idea he's had about wrapping up the Clone Wars and Rebels eras all in Ahsoka while giving a satisfying conclusion to that show so that the New Republic film truly is a New Republic film and not Ahsoka with everybody else in the New Republic. So <laughs> I think that would be best. But let us know your thoughts on all those things. We do have some comments here. We'll discuss all your comments uh, right now. So keep sending in your questions, your comments, your thoughts, your concerns for the future, anything you would like to bring up. Again, we'll be going till about five o'clock Pacific. So if you uh, want to get your question in, you got about 25 minutes to do so. We'll start out with Casey Barkle's question or comment says, didn't they just have a big movie slate reveal a few months ago and Kathleen Kennedy stood on stage and said Ray's movie was the next one out? Guess not. I don't remember if there was something a few months ago that you might be talking about Star Wars Celebration yeah. almost a full year ago. Uh, that was where they revealed that they had the Ray movie directed by Charmaine Obeid Chinoy. And they also revealed that James Mangold was directing Dawn of the Jedi. And they revealed that Dave Filoni was directing an untitled New Republic film that was supposed to be the finale to everything from The Mandalorian, Boba Fett, and Ahsoka. So I think that's what you're referring to. Um, I think in general, the idea that Ray's movie was coming out first came from a couple places one that it was announced first <laughs> so like out, out of the three when they announced all three on the stage at the same time it was announced first the second thing was that it's rumored to go in production here in a couple months so uh, other than all those rumors i don't know if disney's come out and said yes this is actually the first one and nothing else is coming out in, instead of that but if the production schedule still holds right it's a still strong possibility new jedi order is the first film uh, because the Mandalorian would probably not start filming until summer of t this year, which means, you know, a full you would you would take at least a full year turnaround to put the movie into a theater um, for one of these types of big budget films. So that would mean at the earliest, maybe late summer next year. But I think they'll probably save it for that December release window that they've succeeded in so greatly. Um and so that means, you know, it's down to the idea of do they put two movies in a theater in a year for Star Wars? I think there's no way, no way they do that. No way uh, they put two in the th theaters in the same year, especially six months apart. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think Rays will be postponed, but it's still not completely ruled out that it could be coming out next year. Yeah, I'm I'm of the opinion now that with this announcement, with them kind of leaving blurbs at the bottom for all the films, like confirming that, hey, everyone we showed on celebration stages, they're getting their film as announced and the Soka season two. It, it feels to me that this is, again, it is a business decision of some sorts. It is like, a, hey, let's come into this point of Disney after a really, really rough year, use one of our franchises and get us a little bit back on track it it is a business decision like everything about filmmaking in hollywood is a business decision 
as much as we want to say like creatives, especially from Lucasfilm with its history of being independent for so many decades, you know, ensures that that you know that DNA is still part of it. Even they were like <laughs> founded on, hey, we Lucas got merchandising rights, right? We're gonna we're gonna have a basis for everything we do because there's a little bit of money behind it. So the same same thing here. Like, okay, maybe the Mandalorian brand hasn't brought in as much as we expected in uh, the third season. Maybe that layoff hurt a little bit. Maybe we need to just shrink the scope of it, uh, you know, or like the length of the f- story to being told. Make it like a big event film and put it on the big screen, keep the budget low. Everything kind of feels aligned that you want to say like, Hey, yeah, we didn't tell you about it, but you know, there were already some like signs that like, it wasn't doing as hot as we wanted. And Ahsoka, you know, they're very proud of it. They're like, Oh, 14 million viewers for its debut two episodes. And, you know, it did pretty well. It ended up still in the top 10 most viewed shows on some stats for 2023. Again, not all of these are the same, you know, these are all independent uh, right. you know, aggregators. aggregators. Like it, it could, it could not be true. But either way, it seems like it did pretty well. I think the question now is like, okay, if we put in this Mando movie, then are we saying that we're not ready for those other three and we need to really make sure we're going to come hitting hard with these original ideas and then coast with this film? Or are we saying this Mando movie is not just coasting, it'll you know reset and bring us into the second chapter of this or like yeah. the second half of this story. And I think right. they, they went with that option and they're like, yeah, it makes sense to do that. It makes sense to play to Favreau's strengths. Like you're saying, Liam, and kind of bring us back uh, to the story, the skills that he has. And, and in my mind, I moving on to kind of like the second question that you have, Casey, I don't think it's going to be a reverse engineered season four. Cause arguably yeah. you could, you could be saying the same thing about how, Book of Boba Fett and Mando season three were written. Maybe they were written more in as like a film and then Favreau kind of reverse engineered them into a TV show because there are mm-hmm. things that don't always really fit there. I mean, Book of Boba Fett is one of the weirdest TV shows you can ever experience as just like <laughs> yeah. a normal person, right? So arguably, yeah, maybe it is reverse engineered, but I think it makes more sense. And Kathleen has been hammering this point that if we're going to come back to movies, it's got to be like something that changes the, you know, status quo of Star Wars or what we're witnessing right. on the screen. I'm hoping that uh, that also means like, hey, we're going to go back to the average Star Wars fan who hasn't really seen anything since 2019. Remind them of like all the cool things from the original films that they loved and these this baby Yoda that you guys have all been following and this cool like silver warrior guy and then be like, okay, Imperials are here. Oh, there's a blue skin guy. Like introduce everything that people like us have been watching, but maybe the average audience member going through Mando season one all the way to Ahsoka just was not able to keep up with. And then once you set that up, then New Jedi Order has this chance to come out after everyone's hopefully like on a very safe and fun film that has some very exciting plot points. And then we can move into it. And again, with all these three films being announced at the same time, there are rumors that's going to all be connected some elements being connected on the same way. So maybe that is the element that's, that's very important to New Jedi Order, maybe starts off here in this yeah. the Mandalorian and the Grogu. And yeah, I, I also think the delay comes from the fact that it was a Damon Lindelof film. And he, rumor is he wanted like a 70-year-old Ray or something. With, and there's some even newer rumors saying like it was right. about her passing it on to her granddaughter <clears throat> or something or her daughter yeah. about like the next 
stage it's like oh you missed out 50 years of Ray's life how is that helpful yeah, for anybody that again <laughs> no one wants that problem we we, we had Very to go through that. that gap because it it's just how george lucas handled it right he wanted right. to do sequels and then end it so i i in my mind i figure new jedi order steven knight's known to be a great writer he's going to come in he's going to clean up some things make it about you know 30s 40 something year old ray charmaine has been saying how she wants to really make this about an era that ray can definitely shape and that this, yeah. this is about a new jedi order you got to be hitting that on the nail especially with not everyone loving ray and this is a great chance to redeem her as a character in those people's mm -hmm. eyes it's a great way to strengthen her the people who already loved her this is a great way to bring john Bayego hopefully back you got to make this a film that if the mandalorian grogu film made everyone happy that star wars is on screen New Jedi Order is going to be like, oh, wow, this is like something new about Star Wars that I can really, you know, put my focus in and not really worry about whatever else is going on with the Mandoverse stuff. And if there mm -hmm. happens to be elements between it, fans like me and Liam and all you guys will be like, oh, my God, like, I can't wait till what Dawn of the Jedi adds to that. I can't wait what Ahsoka is going to pull away from all these small interconnected bits. And, you know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm hoping for the best. I hope that the reverse engineering isn't, the source of all this stuff and they're scrambling i hope it ends up being for the better in the long run even if it is reverse engineered you know the mandalorian episodic style show it fits being reverse engineered i mean all it doesn't fail every season of the mandalorian comes out and people are saying oh it was a filler episode well now you cut the filler episodes you're at two hours right or two hours and 20 minutes so i don't think there's a problem with the mandalorian as a show with the style of show it is being reverse engineered, I think it is much more difficult to reverse engineer TV to, to film because you're cutting out things and maybe arcs and plot points that you might need. So I would usually agree with you, Casey, but I do think for the Mandalorian style, I, I think it would be fine, especially with Favreau being a film person. He's never been a TV person until recently. And so, uh, I, I do think for sure uh, this is something he would happily tell in the film genre, as well as the fact that he's directing it. Right. I think if he was passing it on to somebody else to direct, I'd be a little more concerned, but since he's writing, directing, you know, it's all his baby. Right. And I think his vision is going to be able to be cohesive and, and seen throughout the entire project because he'll have his fingerprints on everything. And I'm sure Favreau, if there's anybody, anybody in a Lucasfilm that gets final cut, it's for sure Favreau. So I think <laughs> oh, everything yeah. you see is going to be John Favreau's work. Um, and I think that can make something that even if it is stripped from what were ideas for season four, I think it, it will make something that feels pretty cohesive. Uh, Travis Mitchell says we're seeing a resurgence of theatrical films in the middle of TV shows. And when done well, it sidesteps the larger story to tell a personal story, enriching the characters like the X-Files movies. I'm not familiar with the X-Files movies, but I'll take your word for that. But yeah, they're, I mean, I think in an in the heyday of TV that we're in right now, um, if you want to harken back to something like when the X-Files was popular in the early 2000s or, or Twin Peaks in the 90s, um, there's been a lot of things that do tie in well with, with TV. It's a way to basically have a story that you wanted to tell that's not long enough for TV that might be bad in TV because you're, you're putting in too much padding, but you shrink it down 
and it's a nice cohesive film and we also see this in anime all the time as well it's just it's something that people use and, and it's a technique that people use to connect between seasons to expand on what's happening between seasons so you don't have to touch on every little detail honestly if this works we could see this happen with all the major shows that they ever make you know it could be if the acolytes a major success we could end up seeing a movie in between seasons two and three of the acolyte we could see all these sorts of like now lando's a, a movie well maybe if it's a huge success maybe they're like well we kind of want to bring it back as a tv show now too you know there's a lot of things that we could see this really start a resurgence of this form of storytelling and honestly it could be we could be looking at maybe the first piece of of the future of the post-streaming world right like yeah. um studios have been trying to figure out basically since disney decided to go disney plus in 2019 they were the first movie studio to announce their own exclusive streaming service um, at least the first big one, there was CBS All Access. There was TV streaming services, but there weren't there weren't movie studio streaming services. Since they've done that, everybody's copied them. What that's done is flood the market. There's too many things to subscribe to. It's just like cable. You can't. It's like, well, you know, I can pay for all this stuff to have on demand, unlike cable, but it's the same price if I have four streaming services as if I had a cable right, box. Right. So now. <laughs> post pandemic the bubble popped there was always going to be cancellations and streaming services it was never going to completely be the future and although it looked like maybe for 2020 and 2021 that it was going to be the future i think studios have since learned hey we can't survive without theatrical window and if we do want to try to survive we have to cut the budgets of everything and in general things budgets need to be cut they can make good movies without 250 300 million dollar budgets but this might be the future right this might be Hey, we have original ideas, make it a show. If it's great as a show, we can start making these in-between movies. And if they're successful, we have the show, we have the movies, there's corporate synergy, all these types of things. It could work perfectly. Obviously, there will be, if The Mandalorian succeeds, a flood of this type of stuff from every movie studio in Hollywood. <laughs> and you will see it nonstop. And there will be a lot of stinkers. And then everybody will get tired of it. And it will be something that <laughs> people are like, don't do that anymore. But we could be seeing at the next we could be seeing the next big trend in filmmaking if it's a huge success yeah i mean great great point there i think uh, the, the issue with disney especially with mcu is that they've been trying to take shows and then f the shows that were affected by endgame and all those plot points there then they try to filter it and deal with it so like a show like wandavision dealt with that pretty successfully like hey this is the consequences of stuff that happened in Infinity War and Endgame. But then to take that show and then kind of lead it into Doctor Strange, especially with Doctor Strange being shuffled around with Spider-Man Spider No Way Home and all that, caused some issues there. So I, I think when we look at like what Travis was saying about the X-Files movie, I haven't seen it, but correct me if I'm wrong, it was supposed to be the end of the series. It did really well, and then they brought it back for like a couple of more seasons, but people say that it lost a lot of its luster. It wasn't as good wasn't as well written so maybe that's not the right comparison but i think twin peaks like you brought up liam that's a great one because it is like a way of just just telling a story set during mm -hmm. that time period it's technically a prequel to the twin peaks show um but it does because of how trippy and weird that is it makes sense to you know, kind of connect it to what we've just seen and what we haven't you know really heard or explored before so mm -hmm. i i like the idea of enrichment like you're saying travis i think this 
like I said at the start, this should enrich Mando. This should enrich Grogu. The Dins should now become like a, a duo, a dynamic duo for the Star Wars universe at this point for all Star Wars <laughs> fans duo. instead of the Din duo, right? Like they, they got to be like <laughs> out there. They got to be like doing their thing and become a little more, more known than just the Outer Rim people like Mandalorians and X-Wing pilots not doing the job that they're supposed to be doing and stuff like that. So, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think we need to start looking at, especially in Disney's case, look at movies affecting, you know, leaving behind plot elements for shows to deal with again instead of reversing mm-hmm. it back up. That's the harder part. It's always been the show to movie pipeline that doesn't really right. seem to work for a lot of people, especially yeah. if you're alternating between them. But, you know, maybe this is a good way to do that. Maybe we see a season four deal with the, oh, maybe the Mando movie showed like the, the whole Shadow Council was revealed to like a lot of the early New Republic sympathizers and all that. So all mm-hmm. of a sudden now season four is dealing with, okay, well, we don't have too many resources, but can we get Bo-Katan's group and all these other people who are being affected by these warlords and all that that Din has now discovered are working yeah. in unison. Bam, there's your season four. And then your season four brings in people who, maybe don't necessarily have to see the first three seasons, but like what they saw in the movie. And they're like, I want to see the, right. a little bit more of this hunting. There you go. So it, it can work. It really can. It's just, they got to make it good and they got to make it worthwhile <laughs> and keep their budget low and do all the things that people want that they didn't necessarily love about season three. So. Yeah. Um, when you were saying that it, it, it kind of, I mean, it, it ushers back to the fact that they've been experimenting with this kind of with book of boba fett and that type yeah. of stuff too like i mean they basically made like a f- an hour and 20 minute movie between those two episodes of that show um and and it made me think you know how much more rewarding would it have been if we saw the entire journey of grogu's training with luke and like decision to come back to mandalorian in a full yeah. movie in between seasons versus uh, just so cool. randomly <laughs> at the end of, of a show that wasn't even anything to do with the Mandalorian. Uh, we do have another super chat here from David Fieldson. Thank you so much, David, for supporting the channel. Uh, David says, do you guys think this movie will have the Avengers style team up and showdown with Thrawn or lead to another movie? Great channel guys. Thank you so much, David. Uh, personally, I think it says on the article that this film is going to feature uh, the beginning uh, lead the development slate for New Jedi Order. Interestingly enough, Dawn of the Jedi is listed second. So I I really do think we're pushing the Dave Filoni movie far back into the future. Um, And then the Dave Filoni film, the New Republic film, which was the original uh, billing of the finale, the Avengers movie to end the New Republic era. So I still think that's coming. Um, I think in this movie, you can expect Mandalorian, you can expect Bo-Katan, I think you can probably have a safe bet to expect Boba Fett, you can have an expectation on possibly characters like Alea, Luke, or Han if they're going to deepfake them, um, Luke probably the biggest possibility out of all those because of his connection to Grogu, I think you can expect uh, all sorts of tie-ins, I mean, I just started thinking about this earlier when you were talking too. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if this was our Peleon villain movie? Like, give oh, Peleon an entire yeah. movie when we we're talking. You're talking about the Shadow Council, and then tie in Thrawn in a way. But like, this is Peleon's time to shine. I think you can expect all of that. Um, but I don't think Ahsoka shows up in this film unless Ahsoka season two comes out before. 
because that would be kind of a major spoiler for how <laughs> she gets <laughs> off of Peridia. So I think the Soka is the one character I think you probably can't expect. Expect the Soka and Sabine, uh, Ezra possibility, Hera possibility, Chopper, anybody who's in this realm, I think they will be looking to prop them up in this film. Hopefully, it's not a cameo fest. Hopefully, it's all in service of the story. But I think they will be looking to prop up the rest of the crew so that they can sell the New Republic era as a big theatrical event when the yeah. Filoni film finally comes out. No, totally. I, I would love that Pelion like sort of story, or <laughs> hopefully not him being like knocked out early because I want him to yeah. linger around, right? Maybe not make him a first order guy, but like a cool like like reformed empire that changes its name and has its yeah. own little group or something become centralist and wow we got a we got another ten dollar super chat from gene the machine stars less thanks for all the great content looking for four to more in 2024 thank you so much yeah no we, absolutely we're, we're very excited uh we're definitely a little bit more excited after this uh live stream for sure but to just to tie in a couple comments here just because we are running out a little bit of time here um david fieldson you mentioned zeb that could be a cool character to bring here maybe just have x-wing pilots stuff like that and you know uh, we're talking about how like mandalorians could be introduced with the jedi and like their relationship from legends i it, all that got me thinking guys you guys are definitely giving us some cool ideas to really you know really examine a little bit more than just what me and liam talk about every day to each other but uh i i i would say it'd be wrong to think of it like an avenger style i think it's a little bit more like a thor ragnarok where there are characters that are important to din and din grogu mm -hmm. right but not like everybody, like we can also still deal with the effects of Mando season three of two very different clans, the children of the watch and Bo-Katan's group, yeah. right? The night owls and her clan now starting the charge on Mandalore. Now they have a base there, but how do other Mandalorians deal with it? Are we changing how Mandalorians look at each other? Is Boba Fett going to be more like publicly allowed to be a Mandalorian instead of just his own guy? You mm -hmm. know, could we, if we're talking about Jedi, like, yeah, it'd be cool to have Luke, but you know, there's a whole question of deep fake and prosthetics and all that stuff. Recast. Why not just bring him on? It's fine. He's back right now in the galaxy. You, he could, yeah. he, if there's anyone who's cool with Mandalorians as a Jedi, it's him, right? So you could have Ezra piling around a little bit and helping here. And, you know, he could be like a special agent, almost Kyle Katarn as Jedi now that he's back in the galaxy. There, yeah, there's a, there's a lot. Too. Yeah, exactly. There, there's a lot going on here, right? That, that could happen. Um, Avenger style just seems like then you have to bring in the New Republic, the Empire, the First Order elements. Like that's it becomes too much. But if mm -hmm. this is something where you can take the characters that we've kind of seen and maybe like one or two new characters, and then bam, right? We've got all the characterization we want out of Mando and Grogu, and then this crazy thing explodes. This next half of the story, yeah, that I think that's the best way to look at the film. It should not if if it just feels like a season four smushed together. It'll be okay, but if it's something that like changes everything we look about, everything we look about, about these characters, about Ezra, about all these elements that are happening in this Mandoverse, yeah. then I think that's I think that's the, the most ideal approach for this film. Yeah, and David uh, says at the bottom too, Zeb, that was one I was thinking too. Zeb, yeah. we've only seen in The Mandalorian. Uh, Carson Teva <laughs> has been crisscrossing all the shows. So... Those types of characters, for sure. I think the New Republic will be involved in this. Um, you know, you, you and I had talked about a lot in our predictions for Mandalorian Season 4. 
just the idea of it being an imperial hunt type of thing that could definitely work well in a movie and if the movie opens with like Din Djarin and Grogu sitting around. I know Travis <laughs> made a joke here about Space Jam and stuff too, uh, but just like sitting around chilling. And then all of a sudden they get a call from Carson Tim and they're like, we need you to report to home one. We got a mission for you. You know, we'll pay you type of thing. Cause he's this bounty hunter. Now again, he shows up on home one. There's our Hera appearance. There's our Ezra appearance. There's our appearance from Leia possibly or C-3PO or whatever. Admiral Akbar. Um, we bring in all that stuff just to show, I mean, Star Wars has always been great at like, you can have cameos because it fits the time period. These characters have to show up. It was the same thing with the season finale of the Mandalorian season two. When, when we were like, you know, nothing back then we were a podcast talking for fun. Right. But one of my big points I made back then was, I was like, it has to be Luke. If it's not Luke, it has to be like his right hand person. It has to be a Mara Jade has to be a Kyle Katarn, a Corrin Horn, has to be somebody who would come in place of Luke because it doesn't make any sense for this powerful being to send out a beacon in the force and Luke's just like, ah, I'm not going to deal with that right now. <laughs> so I, I think this movie, if it's set in the right context, every character can possibly appear uh, that makes sense in the timeline. I don't want it to be an excuse for Din Djarin to suddenly team up with Han Solo, you know, like there's, yeah. there's, it doesn't need to do that. That would feel like you're forcing it. But if characters show up in logical ways, I don't think some people just have it in their mind that it's like, oh, you can't have any cameos because that's just fan service. That's not true. It's, it's part of world building that these characters would exist at that time. It would make no sense if they don't show up, but it's about how much screen time you give them and how much really the filmmaking makes it like, oh, look, it's Leia. Everybody cheer. <laughs> yeah. like if, if it's treated as something normal, uh, yeah. then it won't come across as fan servicey, in my opinion. Uh, we we can look at the last couple questions here, and then we have to end it. Sorry to everybody. Thank you again to uh, Dean the Machine for the super chat. Here we'll go with. Oh, I forgot where we were in the Travis, thing. Oh, uh, I think it was Uber Uber T B. Credit to Dave Filoni. He said that he wouldn't make Ahsoka season one if he didn't know where it ended, hinting at a bigger plan than people realize. I think he always had a plan. Uh, personally, I just think I, he might not have known which medium he was going to yeah. be telling that plan. <laughs> yeah, he might have been forced <laughs> to do animation if like it didn't do so hot, right? Like It, it yeah. did well, just maybe not supremely as good as like, a Mandalorian, right? So, right. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe. Um Let's go into one from Travis. Good joke, like you said, about Space Jam. But I, I like the idea of the skeleton crew could be a way, like the kids meet up with Shin Hati. And then yeah. you know, there's ways for her character to like kind of deal and change. You could still have Sabine and Ahsoka maybe cameo for sure. Because that's a, there have been rumors that they're in there as well. I would love that. Um, I think Shin is a character, other than just like the whole wolf friendship that's been going on, that hasn't really developed much in that first season. She's just very antsy and angry and very yeah. focused on Sabine. But now that she's been betrayed by her master and she's on her own in a different part of the galaxy, what, what's she going to do? She's not chasing after the guy, clearly. So I don't know. It, it, it would be neat if if these kids do make it to the new galaxy and she's like almost forced to be like an older sister while they deal with like some crazy things happening on the planet of Peridia. That could be a great way for her to develop and soften and become a fan favorite instead of just being a lovable villain for like two episodes uh, two seasons of a show 
Yeah, I like that idea too. Um, you know, I, the only thing I worry about with Ahsoka appearing in the Skeleton Crew show is I desperately don't want the way Ahsoka and Sabine were going to escape Peridia was with the Skeleton Crew. Um, <laughs> I I fear that post Book of Boba Fett. I fear random yeah. things happening that should be full seasons of a TV show happening in one episode of another just to have a cameo. Um, I do, but I think Shin would be a character who she is displaced right now. Um, there could be some cool arcs between her and Sabine and Ahsoka if that was the direction she goes. If the direction they go with her is uh, tracking down Balin and whatever his next exploits are with Mortis, that could be interesting. But if you did want a character from Ahsoka that you could grow in a different way, you could definitely throw her in uh, that show because she is displaced in her story there's not a clear direction for her so that's an interesting idea i think uh that would that would also add a little bit to the connectivity skeleton crew is going to be the one that's unless you know you throw in x-wings and stuff like that it's going to be harder to figure out how to really tell people it's new republic era uh travis also says bob's burger movie spongebob movie pokemon the first movie it's larger than life story beginning and ending with characters making you care more about them yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think that's what they're aiming for, hopefully, with this. Hopefully, it doesn't bite off more than it can chew. Uh, Travis says, great opportunity to stop and explain what a Mandalorian is to casual audiences and how they tie to the Jedi and that conflict we know in Legends, but not on film. If you break down every flaw and quirk of Mando, you have a cult <laughs> member turned bounty hunter who hates robots and isn't allowed to show his face. There's a whole movie just confronting that. And yeah, and that's the fine line they have to decide to cross, right? They have to decide, do we approach this film as something, a, a project for people who are familiar with the TV show? Because I think they can safely bet that most people are at least familiar with the characters and who they are, rather than maybe the entire arcs from season one to three, but they're pretty familiar with the characters. Uh, and they know that Din started as a bounty hunter, right? So um <laughs> I think you can safely bet on that, but how much do you need to re-explain? And if you do re-explain the whole movie, right? If it's a similar arc, if it's kind of a repeat arc to something we've already seen in the show, can that turn off uh, the audiences who have been following it on the show? I don't know. It's an interesting line. It's a fine line, but I think they can do it right. Yeah. I mean, I think it, as long as you know, season one, you know, everything that's kind of been explained here. The only thing you really need to know is Bo-Katan and that conflict that starts in season two with the face, right? And I'm sure a lot of people watched that during COVID. So two seasons is enough. And we, we thought this would be stuff that was going to be dealt with in season three. If it happens in this movie, it's like a little, that is the one thing that could be like the course correcting element of this film that we'd really like personally, uh, because they were much stronger characters those first two seasons than they were in the third season. As much as it's a fun yeah. story for me, it's not a well-executed story for Liam. And for me, it, it is like haphazard, right? It's it, it's yeah. great in moments. And then it's like, why did they cut out like how Grogu got back to Din and <laughs> saved him at the finale? Or, like there, there are things right. that we complain about then that we we still will because it is fair criticism. But yeah, no, that, that, that would all be very cool. Um, I think let's move to Battersea. Let's just run through these really quickly, guys. We, we got to close up here because Liam's got to get going. Um, mm -hmm. Hey, guys, good to see you. What do you think of Enzo? Rognichich as a young Ben Solo live action Luke Jedi Academy, would you be down or animate is better? I did see that. I think that's more of a fan cast. Um, he is closer to like the 30s already, so he's you know, he, he is already around where Adam Driver was. Um, 
I, I think it makes more sense. We've talked about this a lot in the channel. It makes sense to have an animated one, even though Mark Hamill meeting his face mom yesterday at the Emmys, uh, not the Emmys, the Golden Globes. <laughs> uh, you know, he looks great, right? He could definitely do a live action show, but that would have to deal with like just before the turn Ben Solo, as opposed to like, oh, let's skip back 15 years because, you know, it's, it's harder as you age, especially at that point in age to look as good right. as you did a decade ago when you were filming the sequel. So um i it's it's a nice fan cast i it just doesn't really have seem to have a lot of weight behind it in the same way you know like the ezra fan cast had because there was always the point of like we're gonna go back to that character uh adam driver has been very insistent that he's done with the character and maybe the character is done for a bit until new jedi orders filmed and finished so you know working on it if we're gonna do jedi academy stuff uh, and especially with new jedi order film coming out and not to confuse general audiences we might want to just wait off and then this guy Enzo would not even be a fit at that point. Yeah. I haven't seen society of the snow. I had to look up who this was. Um, looks I'm honestly uncannily does yeah. <laughs> look quite a bit like Adam driver. Uh, but yeah, I think I kind of agree. Like he's similar age. He'll be 31 next year or this, this year uh, he'll be 31 similar age. Not that much younger. I mean, maybe if Adam Driver said no to playing, you know, 19 to 25 year old Ben Solo, yeah. we could bring this guy in to do something for Star Wars. If it is indeed a live action series, which I desperately would like uh, that plays up between um, like maybe a year or two before the rise of Kylo Ren into the rise of Kylo Ren adapts that maybe right after that would be awesome. But uh, I think, Adam Driver, even though you would have to kind of age him down, I think he could still hold that role decently well uh, for a you know, 23, 24, 25-year-old Ben Solo. I think he could play that fine. It's pretty similar to the character he plays in The Force Awakens anyways. So uh, that's going to do it, though. That's going to have to wrap it up. Got to get going here. Thank you all so much for all your comments, uh, especially for all the super chats. Thank you so much. It's going to help out our channel tremendously. And, and we're looking forward to a great year in 2024 for Star Wars Lads. It's going to be a lot of fun covering all these news stories. I think this is going to be a big year for news because there's not uh, yeah. too much in terms of like releases that are coming out that we haven't already heard about. So there should be a lot for the future. We're reaching the end of all those things that were announced a few years ago in 2020 uh, to be the, the Lucasfilm slate. So I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot to talk about this year. And we're looking forward to covering it all on the channel. As, uh, as usual, we'll still have all of our typical content out. Uh, videos will start resuming here i have my bookshelf tour the full 2024 bookshelf tour coming out make sure you stay tuned on the channel for that and we're going to ramp up with a lot more video production and if you've been following shorts we have a ton of shorts on the channel we've been putting out shorts like crazy so keep checking out those shorts and if you're interested in community uh, the semifinals are going on right now for the star wars power rankings we've been doing power rankings on community for now almost four months so this will be the capper of it before we move on to a different type of bracket if you'd like to make your opinion heard make sure you're voting the uh, the matchup today i believe was palpatine versus yoda so vote in that one tomorrow's luke versus anakin those should be some exciting ones uh, make sure you're voting in that thank you all so much for watching this stream and this video thanks for staying with us into 2024 and we will see you all next time